everyone, and welcome back to the Missing in the Desert podcast. This next case has been haunting me for the past year, and what's hard is it's hard balance to run a missing persons podcast when there are so many people in this area who do go missing, with each and every case just as important and heart-wrenching as the next one. But this case, it is keeping me up at night, honestly. I will recite, as I usually do, the basic known facts of the case next, and then I will dig into some not-so-known issues. This is the case of Jesus Rivera Sr. Jesus Rivera Sr. came up to Running Springs on March 11, 2019, for a construction remodeling job on Catalina Drive with a co-worker and friend. They worked just one day inside the house. It was a cold and foggy night with snow flurries outside. Around bedtime, Jesus felt very anxious and said he was going to go walk it off outside, leaving his cell phone and wallet on the counter. Around dawn, his friend and employer noticed he had never returned and drove around to look for him. He saw no footprints in the fresh snow dusting and it was foggy, so he wasn't able to see far, but Jesus could not be found. A missing persons report was filed with the Twin Peaks Sheriff Department. Deputy Perez explained to Jesus Jr., Jesus's oldest child of three, that there wasn't much that could be done. There was no sign of foul play, and Jesus was over 18 years old and free to leave any time. And the family had been posting and sharing Jesus Sr.'s photos and missing persons poster for months to no avail. The area surrounding the home on Catalina has been searched on foot and by drone multiple times by volunteers. There is so much growth of the brush that it is hard to cover every square inch, but they keep trying. There have been no organized searches with search and rescue or the sheriff's station, unfortunately. The family wanted to hire a private investigator, but they are struggling financially without their father and husband home. This is all that is publicly known about the case. When I say that, I should say that I'm not the only one who has maybe heard some of the things I'm going to present to you about this case that make it a little more than just a typical missing persons endeavor. Um, If this were all the information we had to tell you about the case, it would be enough of a mystery in and of itself. No one knows what happens when somebody goes missing, and there's all sorts of theories and questions. But after learning some not-so-public information regarding Jesus' disappearance, I felt very compelled to get his full story out there. I had a bad feeling about the whole scenario when he first went missing, and after doing my due diligence and speaking with someone close to the case, my fear is that my gut reaction was correct. I don't believe that this man walked off on his own. As we have seen in other cases in this area, there has been little to no assistance from the law enforcement in this case. Once the missing persons report was finally filed, more on that later. The Twin Peaks Sheriff's Department 
filed it as a voluntary missing and informed the family that he was an adult and could walk out of his life at will. While technically this is true, in any investigation, there are circumstances that negate the idea that a person walks off and out of their current life. But the key word here is investigation. One would actually have to be started, you know, for those questions to be, you know, answered, I guess, um, if they ever can be. Uh, before I found out all the information I'm about to share with you, I found this case very suspicious. While suspicion alone certainly can't run an investigation, there was enough in this case that I feel should have at least launched one. So let's dive into the information I have just recently learned. I need to make a disclaimer here. I will not be using the actual names of people in this case other than Jesus Rivera. It's a very sensitive case, and for safety reasons, I will not personally be naming names. It's not to say that some of these names might not already be out there, but for myself personally, I'm not going to put them out there myself today. So the day he went missing, Jesus Rivera had been on the first day of a job remodeling a house that was being flipped. For those who may not know, flipping a house is when investors buy a home that needs fixing up. They buy it at a cheap price. They do all the needed repairs and then they sell it for a higher price to make a profit. The person who hired Jesus was someone he knew and had worked for in the past. This should have been a simple work assignment by all accounts. Yet after just one day of work, he supposedly went for a walk to burn off some anxiety, leaving his cell phone and wallet on the counter and just never returned. This was all I knew at the outset of this case, but you know that alone already rang a couple of alarm bells for me. First, the job was located in the mountains in an area called Running Springs. This was an area Jesus was completely unfamiliar with. On top of that, there was a layer of fog already in play and some snow flurries. The fog could make it difficult to navigate the mountain area. So for me, the idea that he would leave his phone and wallet behind struck me as odd. It's not necessarily that he would need his wallet just going out for a walk, but his phone is another story. The safe thing to do when taking a walk in the mountains in an area you're not familiar with in a layer of fog would be to take your phone. Things start to unravel even further for me when it comes to when a missing persons report was filed and the different stories that were told in the wake of Jesus's disappearance. The man that hired Jesus to work on the house was someone he had known for at least a year and by all accounts was somewhat of a friend of Jesus. For the purposes of the podcast, I'll be referring to him often as the employer. He was the person who called the family to let them know Jesus was missing. When he initially called, he said that Jesus had left that night while he was making up a bed for him. There was no alcohol or drugs involved. He said he was going for a walk because he felt anxious. When he didn't return shortly, this man said he drove around to look for him and then filed a missing persons report in the morning. When Jesus 
son called the Twin Peaks Sheriff's Office to see if there had been any new information. They actually had no idea what he was talking about. He was told that no one had reported anyone missing. Naturally, upon hearing this, the son called the employer back to question why he indeed had not filed the report. At that time, the man then changed his story and claimed that the man's brother, the employer's brother, had called in the report from Los Angeles. This is a pretty distinct difference from the first story, and if only the changing stories had stopped there. Feeling uneasy about this change in details, Asusa's son asked the employer what had happened again. Now, the man stated that he had been working downstairs while Asusa was working upstairs in the kitchen. And make a mental note of that for later also. The man that went upstairs after hearing something and found the front door open and Asusa was just gone. His stuff was on the counter. He then stated he went out to look for him right then but ended up turning around due to heavy snow should be noted that there was no heavy snow that night but just some light snow flurries so a couple things here why make up the story that he was making up a bed for Jesus and then he Jesus felt anxious and went for a walk if the real story was that he heard something and found the door open with Jesus already having left which is the true story here if any part of the second story is true, then how would he know that Jesus went for a walk to quell some anxiety? One or the other story is fabricated. So do the stories stop here? Well, of course they don't. The last time Jesus' son called the employer, he got yet another story. He reiterated that his brother had called to report Jesus missing. But this time, instead of it just being the employer and Jesus in the home, he claimed now that his brother had also been there that night. And mind you, that had never been mentioned before in any of the accounts. This is where it takes an even stranger turn. The employer now states that Jesus was acting crazy in the kitchen upstairs, staring at the lights and acting weird. The son had asked him multiple times prior to this last conversation with the employer whether drugs could have been involved and the employer was adamant that this was not the case yet now he is giving information to insinuate that Jesus was tripping on drugs what's more in prior conversations the employer had gone so far as to say there was no possible way that Jesus could have gotten drugs because the employer was the only one with the vehicle and the two had been together the entire time he was adamant that Jesus who was a recovering addict that had been clean for more than a year had not relapsed. Well, let's talk about the drugs for a second. Yes, Jesus Rivera was a recovering addict. He was very happy about being clean, and according to his family, there were no signs of a relapse at the time that he went missing. Is it impossible that this could have happened? No, of course not. A relapse, even after a long period of time of sobriety, is not unheard of. There is this, though. The family states that even in Jesus' darkest times, he never broke contact with them, ever. He always kept them in the loop and absolutely would never leave his belongings behind. And if he had relapsed, why tell the first two stories about how he went missing? 
why not start with it being drug-related right out of the gate, especially if you are a friend and are concerned for your safety? So now at this point, in one version, the employer had gone to look for Jesus right away. In another version, he waited a few hours. And in the last version, he waited until the next morning. In the last conversation, he also said that he didn't report him missing and thought he would eventually come back. Um, okay, so first he, you know, he made the report, and then his brother made the report, and now no report was made. I literally cannot keep up with the ever-changing details given by this man. This is a good example of what I mentioned earlier. Changing stories like this should be a red flag to law enforcement. So now, let's get into that for a minute. After the missing persons report was finally filed with the Twin Peaks Sheriff's Station and they informed the family that there wasn't much they could do, they stated that they would let the family know if Jesus was seen at the border or in the hospital. When this first happened, I was very surprised that there didn't seem to be any concern that Jesus might have had an accident on the mountain. I mean, stuff like this is very common. Hikers go missing, someone takes a fall, um, especially considering it was a foggy night and the initial story had him going out for a walk. Um, if a couple hikers go missing in the mountains, search and rescue is sent out to help recover them, hopefully alive. So if we paint the scenario that Jesus went for a walk, got lost in the fog, and could possibly be out there still alive, then why would the authorities not set up a search? I have my theories on this, and I'm just going to be straight out with it. Jesus was a recovering addict and a documented immigrant. Uh, I believe that authorities tend to take cases where the person is either an addict, has mental health issues, or is an immigrant far less seriously than people without those issues. If you have listened to the first two cases I featured on this podcast, both women had bipolar disorder, and there was a very similar lack of response in their cases. I've said it before, and I will say it again. People with mental health conditions and addicts are actually more at risk of you know, being a victim of violent crime than the general public. And when it comes to the immigration issue, while Jesus did have a green card to work legally in this country, this is not the first time I have seen a missing person who has status as an immigrant get little or no help from law enforcement. So I'm going to jump off my soapbox and now I'm moving on. So I don't think anyone listening so far would disagree with me in thinking the situation with Jesus' employer at the time of his disappearance was more than a bit fishy. I asked the family if he was questioned at all by law enforcement. Apparently he was questioned briefly and the family was told there was no suspicion of foul play. This was, mind you, at the outset of the disappearance when the original story was of Jesus going out for a walk due to anxiety. And again, by that story standard at the very least, I think it would be reasonable to have a search and rescue team head out, but that didn't happen. The only searches that were done were organized by the family on foot, which in the mountains is a very difficult task. There is very harsh terrain to deal with, weather, etc. Without the assistance of experienced search and rescue teams, helicopters, dogs, it's literally like trying to find a needle in a haystack. 
There could be a reason the authorities chose not to launch an official investigation into Jesus' disappearance, but I'm getting to that. But what would happen if the authorities knew of the changing stories or perhaps got new information? Let's investigate that. At the beginning of the case, I mentioned that there was a house um, Jesus had been hired to work on um, that was an investment property that was going to be flipped. So things from here on out is where it starts getting sticky with names and who was involved in this case. And I just have to reiterate that just because it's for safety reasons. I will give as much information as I can. Jesus' family has been very active on social media since the day he went missing, creating a Facebook page to help in the search and get information from anyone who might know something they don't already know. That said, all of their efforts have helped to elicit a couple of important tips along the way. I feel a bunch of detective hats going on right about now, and that's a good thing. You know, I really do want people to care about this case as much as I do. The first tip the family received is directly related to the situation at the location Jesus was working at. Someone informed the family that they had a very uncomfortable feeling on the job site, and there were specific reasons why that is. Um, I cannot specifically mention the, the vivid details here. Um, I guess the one thing that I can say is the aforementioned brother of the employer in this case um, was you know, the actual owner of the home, the investor that bought the property to flip. Um, that's what his business does. Uh, his, someone else in the family, let me just say, um, is a real estate agent. But this person that gave the tip um, said it just, there's something seemed really off about that particular group of people that had hired Jesus to do this job. And that's really the most that I can say about that at the moment. Um, let's see, one major item though from this tip that I feel has to be mentioned is that immediately after Jesus went missing, there was concrete poured in an area of the house that was not only unusual, but it was unplanned. Um, it was poured in a place that was described by this person as unnecessary, and the timing was suspicious. This person also reported this to the authorities. They felt so strongly about it that they asked if cadaver dogs could be sent out to the property. The response from law enforcement was that cadaver dogs can only really smell human remains for the first couple of days, which, of course, is untrue. One other small detail here. In the various stories told to Jesus' family about the events leading up to the di disappearance, the employer would state that Jesus was upstairs working in the kitchen in more than one version. The problem with that is, according to this tip, the kitchen at this location is downstairs, not upstairs. Why lie about this? I mean, I really don't understand unless it was to just try and give some distance between him and Jesus in proximity that night that 
he was downstairs while Jesus was upstairs, and that's why he didn't necessarily see what happened, even though in the first story, Jesus told him he was going for a walk. I mean, it's all so convoluted, and to lie about where the kitchen is located in the house just, it doesn't make any sense to me. It's just another strange choice of words to add to the different stories told. And that wasn't the only tip that the Facebook page generated. Uh, a second tip came in that increased the number of lies told by the last man known to have seen Jesus Rivera alive. Someone else told both the family and authorities that there was definitely something off on this job site. He wasn't even aware that Jesus had gone missing until it was brought to his attention um, you know, by the man who hired Jesus. The only thing is, when the employer described Jesus, he said he was just some guy that he picked up from Home Depot, just some druggie who up and left. He neglected to mention that he had known him for more than a year, and they were supposed to be friends, actually. They apparently, according to the family, they got along very well. But now he's making him sound like he literally just met him that day, didn't know him, and he just up and left. Um, forget the other multiple stories he told about how he up and left. Um, but yeah, I digress. He also mentioned some accident that supposedly happened on a previous job a few months prior that then he attributed to Jesus. Um, it would be pretty hard to only have met Jesus the day he went missing, yet have worked with him three months prior. So, I mean, literally, I don't think the man could keep his story straight ever. This job accident apparently left scars on the man's legs, which he seemed to blame Jesus for. But the odd thing is that the scars, according to this tip, appeared to be more fresh injuries rather than three-month-old scars. It was almost as if he brought up this information as some sort of cover story for his injuries. Could the injuries have happened the night Jesus went missing? Or could an old accident that he blamed Jesus for have caused animosity? Or could Jesus have seen something on the job site that he wasn't supposed to? These are all questions that literally haunt me every night. There are far more factors of this case. Details that I'm afraid if I were to fully share, it would only put more people at risk. I can tell you that when Jesus' family initially made up a missing, missing person's flyer, it included the full address of where he went missing from, which, you know, that is something pretty standard in these cases. However, someone associated with the employer threatened to sue if the address was not removed from the flyers. You might think that they would be wanting to help find Jesus and put it all to rest, um, if, if not because of caring about a friend, um, even to cover their own, their own backs. But you might even think that the employer and Jesus were indeed friends, you know, and he might join in on the ground searches and help the authorities as much as possible. But that didn't happen either. And once Jesus's son had the last conversation with the employer where he pointed out the inconsistencies in his stories, all communication ceased from that point forward. Now, I mentioned there might be a reason law enforcement didn't launch an official investigation into this disappearance. There is someone else associated with this case that is a former police officer.
Now, this person may have interacted with the sheriff's department when Jesus first went missing and steered the information toward the last story given by the employer that Jesus was a druggie and just up and walked off. Now, I'm not saying that law enforcement always sticks together, but they often do and would likely take the word of a former officer um, who appears like an upstanding citizen rather than the family of a documented immigrant. And to further this theory somewhat, recently another man went missing up in the same mountain area. He had a history of mental illness even. And rather than tell the family there was nothing they can do, and yes, this was an adult male, by the way, um, the authorities sent out a search and rescue. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they shouldn't have done this for this recent case. I'm glad they did. But why didn't they do the same thing for Jesus? Was it because they didn't feel the need after talking with this former officer? Ironically, the day before I recorded this episode, the Facebook page for Jesus' case received yet another anonymous message or tip. The person who sent the message had quite obviously made a fake account to keep their identity hidden. They wanted to be sure that the family knew that this specific person I was just talking about involved in the case had a career in law enforcement for a good period of time, and it was their opinion that this is why the Sheriff's Department never moved forward with an investigation. Now this had me asking myself if it was someone who knew this person in question, or did they for instance, even know more about what happened to Jesus, and they were just too afraid to come forward all this time? Did they conceal their identity for fear of backlash by this former officer and the employer? Questions. I mean, literally, there are nothing but questions in this case. So what happened to Jesus Rivera? I mean, did he just walk off the job and out of his life? Did he have a relapse and end up back on drugs. Um, According to the family, in the past, there was an incident where Jesus had been on a binge, and this was in the distant past, but he still managed to call his family every day, every single day. Would he leave and not take his phone with him while walking in the fog in an unfamiliar mountain area? Was there foul play involved? And if not, why are there so many different stories told by the last person to see Jesus Rivera alive that fateful day. These are the answers that Jesus Rivera's family wants to hear, and they deserve as much. If you have any information in regards to this case, you can contact the links below that will be in the description for this episode. You can remain anonymous. Just please, if you have any knowledge of anything, please help this family. Um, they des- they deserve to know what happened to their father and husband. Um, Jesus deserves to have your help. I would like to mention that some time ago the family tried to start a GoFundMe to raise funds for a private investigator, but was not able to raise any money, which I find very sad. Um, I think this is largely in part due to the lack of exposure for this case. And, you know, the media literally has not covered this case at all. 
Um, my hope is that this podcast can help get Jesus's story out there and that they try to raise the funds again so that a private investigator can be hired to unravel this huge web of lies, for lack of a better way to describe it, and see what really happened to Jesus that night. If they do, I'm going to add a link to this episode information box because you know this is a downloadable uh, podcast. It will be up for as long as the podcast is active. And I really do hope that they do another GoFundMe and that they can get some help. So thank you for listening. And again, um, please do let us know if you know anything at all that could help this family. Thanks for listening again.